so we're in our series uh, called Counterfeit. And here, here's the deal. The purpose of this series is, is this, is that there's something that has happened in the United States where people are starting to basically slowly move away from God, move away from faith. In fact, there's people that are migrating from Christianity, and it's faster than ever before. And this group of people is called the nuns. N-O-N-E-S, not N-U-N. You're like, so you move away from God, you become a nun. No, uh, they're, they're nuns. And basically it's that when they go to check off what do you believe in religion-wise, they check none. And it's growing. In fact, it's growing so big, it's 23%, 24% of the U.S. population. But in the millennial population alone, the Gen Z population, it's 35 to 40%. And so what we've seen is we've seen this entire massive migration from church to this idea of being a nun. This idea where it's not that atheism sounds that great, but it's that God isn't that great anymore. There's some unsettling things about the church. There's some unsettling things about atheism. I really wish there was something that would come along that would help me believe in God again, but I really don't believe him, him anymore. They feel stuck in the middle. They want to believe, but they're like, if, if I can do anything I can believe in nothing. And so what happens, many times we look to history, we look to science, we look to all these things, and we realize, you know, people have been disbelieving in gods for a long period of time. I mean, if you look back, there was an entire civilizations that worshipped the sun. There was entire civilizations that worshipped Zeus or Apollo or Jupiter. In fact, people quit believing in gods all the time. And Richard Dawkins said it this way. He said, we're all atheists about most of the gods that humanity has ever believed in. Some of us just go one god further. And that's one of those quotes that just, it kind of it hits you there. And, and here's, what I, here's what I believe has happened with Christianity especially. I believe that the message of God has become wrong because the Jesus that we see in the New Testament is so appealing. It, people just want to be around him. But now what we see is that there's this version of Jesus, this version of God that people have no problem walking away from. This is something that has happened throughout all of time. In fact, we see this in 1 Timothy 6, 20 to 21. This is Paul talking to Timothy. He says, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and are doing so have departed from the faith. This has been going on from all eternity where people have taken God. They're like, God's good. Jesus is good, but then added something to it. The problem is whatever they add to it as you get older, for many of us, as we get grown up, as we ask questions, what was added to starts to fall away. And so we don't believe there is a God anymore. In fact, I told you guys that, you know, there's a lot of deconversion stories out there. There's people that have written blogs, written books on their deconversion story. And here's the problem. All of these deconversion stories, none of them actually have anything to do with a New Testament Jesus and God. In fact, many people, when they talk to me, they go, this is the God I decommitted from. They tell me about that God, and I go, I don't believe in that God either. I don't believe in that one either. And so what we have to do many times is we have to realize that many of us are childhood versions of God. Our childhood versions of what we believed in was actually a God that never existed. It never existed. Because I, I would say this, for many of you in here, this is the way it kind of worked. For many of you, this is the way it worked, or you saw people that did this. They grew up in a religious environment. They grew up in a religious environment. Then they moved to a non-religious environment. They went to college or they went off. And all of a sudden, being in that non-religious environment, it was better and they liked it. They're like, this is much better. And they started doing this. They started asking adult questions about a childhood faith. 
They start at it asking adult questions about a childhood faith. And then when they ask those questions, they receive faith-based answers to fact-based questions. Many of you have felt this. You've gone to your parents or you've gone to your pastor or your priest and you said, but what about this? And you get this faith-based answer to a fact-based question. And then you start asking these questions and you don't get answers. And over time, you get to a point where you're like, I just don't think I believe anymore. I don't think I believe anymore. I don't know where where it happened. I just don't believe anymore. For some people, it's something similar. They're following after God. But then this catastrophic event, this faith-crushing tragedy happens in their life. And they go, can God explain that? And when they don't get the answer that they want, they walk away from God. See, it becomes to this. We start having trouble reconciling God with reality. And the more time we spend thinking, the less faith we have. Now, what I want to talk about this next two weeks is the two versions of Christianity people tend to walk away from the most. And this is what I hear. It's a somebody told me so God or a Bible tells me so Jesus. And here's what I mean by that. Somebody told me so God is somebody who wanted you to believe in God, somebody who wanted you to feel good in a moment. Somebody just died. Something just happened. There's a hard point. And as a little kid, they decided to tell you this about God. Or a Bible tells me so Jesus. I think this is what we're going to talk about next week. This is the idea that whenever you asked about God, whenever you asked about any question, they said, well, the Bible said so. The Bible said so. Well, the Bible said so. And they wouldn't elaborate. They just said the Bible said so. You have to believe it. As if if we took away the Bible, we would have no basis for faith. Now, there's going to be a lot of people that are ticked off about next week's message. And here's my deal. It is not at all that there's anything wrong with the Bible. It is all in this idea that there is more to our faith than whether or not what we have in the Bible. And for some of you, if you grew up Southern Baptist, you grew up, you know, in a different type, you, you hear that and you're going, whoa, whoa, whoa. They always told my entire life, it's all about the Bible. Don't get me wrong. The Bible is important, incredibly important. But even if our Bible was taken away, when we look at history, when we look at what has happened, we have more than enough reason to follow after God. But we're talking about that next week, so I need to stop. So somebody told me so, God. See, this is the faith-based answers to questions you don't understand. I think there's a person that explains this so well. Her name is Karen Armstrong. She's actually what you would call a double nun. She was actually a Roman Catholic nun. And so she spent time there, and then she decided she didn't believe anymore and became a nun. And so she's somebody that grew up in a religious environment, so she understands that side of things. And what she says, this quote, I believe, really explains so many of the people around us or even yourself what happened to your faith. It says, it says, many of us have been left stranded with an incoherent concept of God. We learned about God at the same time we were told about Santa Claus. But while our understanding of Santa Claus phenomenon evolved and matured, our theology remains somewhat infantile. Not surprisingly, when we attained intellectual maturity, many of us rejected the God we had inherited and denied that he existed. See, this is actually one of the reasons why my son doesn't believe in Santa Claus, and some of you think I'm an awful person. That's fine. Um, He believes in St. Nick. We, uh, we, We talked about him, and we watched Christmas movies, and he loves the Santa Claus. That's fine. But it's this idea that we learned about all these things as children, and as we grow older, we find out they're not real. They're not real. They're not something that's there. And I believe this is what happened. Many of you, through no fault of your parents, through not necessarily fault of your pastors or the people around you, many of you picked up a theology. Many of you picked up a God that absolutely never existed. So let me just say this. Some of you are going to feel personally victimized today. And it's not, it's not why I'm doing it. I'm not trying to do it to offend you. 
I want to make sure you understand that some of the gods you grew up with aren't real. And once we remove them, we can understand where our faith comes from. So we're going to talk about six gods that never existed. Here's the first one, the bodyguard God. This is the idea that we were told as a child that if you love God and God loves you, he protects you from everything and nothing bad will ever happen to you. God will keep you from all harm. The problem is what happens? You grow up and you see the opposite. You grow up and you see things that change. You grow up, and this is what what happens so many times. You either think one of two things. One, there's no God, or you're not following God well enough for him to keep you safe. Other people have more faith than you do. And so there's this belief in that. In fact, I see it all the time. One of my, my son had a, had a book that we started reading that was this, this book. And, he, and I'm flipping through the pages, and one of the pages said, if you really love God and you pray a lot, he will keep your entire family safe. And I'm like, nope, rip the page out. I'm like, I don't want him to believe that. What happens if something happens to my, me or his mom or when his, one of his grandparents passes away? All of a sudden he goes, well, what happened there? For some of you, it may not have been that. It was in the form of a guardian angel. I'm about to crush some of you. They don't exist. There's no such thing as a guardian angel. They're not in the Bible. Some of you believe that you have a guardian angel that's just for you. Some of you believe that it's a dead relative that is now your guardian angel and they watch over you. Guardian angels aren't real. They're not in the Bible. You don't see them there. But it's another way of us saying, hey, if you really love God and if God is good, If God is a good God, then he will keep you safe. The problem is we go through our lives. Sooner or later, something happens to us or we see the world as a whole and we see the pain and we see the suffering and we wonder where God is. And the problem is it it starts from a a root of thinking that's not right. It's this. It's, It's this idea that a good God would not allow bad things to happen to good people. And since bad things never happen to good people, there must be a good God. Nobody's ever used that, right? Nobody's ever said, since bad things never happen to good people, there must be a good God. But we take that, we turn it around, and we put it on God, and we say, what are you doing? This is what a good God should be. That's never been an argument for the existence of God. That's never been an argument for Christianity, but it's something that we believe. God never said it. It's not in the Bible. It's not something that's a Christian argument. In fact, here's the crazy part. Christianity started with a really horrible thing happening to a very good person. I mean, think about that. Since bad things never happen to good people, what about Jesus? This kind of faith would never have lasted in the first century church. Here's why. Because all the good people in the first century church had really bad things happen to them. In fact, all but one of the disciples were martyred for their faith. So if there was a belief that a good God wouldn't allow bad things to happen to people, then that wouldn't have even lasted through the first century. Here's what I'm trying to say. The lack of evil or the lack of bad things in the world is is not a reason to believe or not believe in God. So if you're somebody that lost your faith in bodyguard God, that's good. He doesn't exist. The problem is for some of you, your childhood faith, that was the defining characteristic of your faith. Like your entire faith was built on the idea that if I love God, he will keep me safe. Now let me say this. I'm only talking so much on this. In two weeks, I'm going to be talking about the whole idea of evil in the world. Why do bad things happen to good people and all that? I'm going to spend an entire week on it. But I just wanted to start off with this. If you believe in bodyguard God, we have to remove that from what we believe there. Here's the second second God is on-demand God. Here's what on-demand God is. A God that responds 
to fair and selfless requests the way we would. So basically, if a friend requested this of us, if we would respond to that request the right way, we feel like God should. I mean, it's like, God, we're like, I'm not asking you to heal the world. I'm not asking you to bring global peace, but could you just give me a date? Not just me a date, but my, actually my roommate a date. They're really depressed. They haven't dated in like a year, and they keep talking about it. Could you at least just give them a date? And then what happens is this, is we bring that to God, and we go, I would do this for a friend. I would do this for a friend. I don't think it's that big of a deal. And if there's some sort of personal God, if there's some sort of personal God, he should do the things that I want. And then what happens? If you believe in this type of God, sooner or later, you ask for God for something, and he doesn't come through. You ask for an answer, you ask for a sign, you ask for a miracle, and it doesn't happen, then all of a sudden you wonder, where is God? Well, on-demand God doesn't exist. I mean, think about this. It's a good thing he didn't. Because if you were giving everything you wanted at the age of 16, how bad would your life be right now? I would be married to the wrong person. I mean, think about that. If we had that ability, let me, let me just say this. We see this so many times in Christianity, almost this idea of God being a genie. Except we, we make it more Christianized, and this is the way we phrase it. God has all these blessings for you, and if you pray the right way and do the right things, he will shower you with them, and you will be healthy, wealthy, and wise. And I've seen books on this, and I'm not saying God doesn't have blessings for you. I'm not saying that. But this idea that we can somehow manipulate God through prayer and our actions to give us what we want. Here's the problem. Once you manipulate God, he's no longer God. Once you can tell God what to do, he's no longer God. This idea of an on-demand God is not something that's real. It's something that somebody told you. Now, this next one's going to sound weird at first, but let me explain it. It's the boyfriend or girlfriend God. Boyfriend or girlfriend God. This is the God whose presence is always felt. Like every time you, you, you pray, every time you worship, there's like this tingling. There's like this, this feeling. That there's this idea that if I'm worshiping God, if I'm doing what God wants, I always feel his presence. And it started for many of you, maybe you went to a church camp and there's this moment in camp where everybody was worshiping and you were dehydrated and you were worshiping God and you felt this thing happen. You felt this moment. There's this moment where you were praying and you're in the middle and watching the ocean. And there's this moment where you just felt God. There's these things that happen. And there's somewhere along the way, you believe this, you believe that if you don't feel God's presence, he's not there. And so what you do is you try to manipulate the situation. I know this has happened for me. And many of you, it's the same way. You try to figure out how can I feel God's presence? So you go into worship and you see somebody that's holding up their hands and you stand next to them. And you're like, well, I don't feel it. You're like, they seem like they're feeling it. I don't feel it. So you try to do the same thing. And we try one hand up, two hands up. We're like, this is awkward. Like, we end up on two knees just like this. And we're like, still don't feel it, but trying. And somewhere along the way, we thought that God's presence, feeling God's presence, equaled that he was present. Here's just something to think about. You are least aware of the things that are most constant in your life. If the temperature is perfect in a room, you never look to the person next to you and go, isn't the temperature perfect? <laughs> right? You go, it's cold. Or it's like some of you came in, you're like, man, it's cold. And there's those of you like me that's like, man, it's still kind of hot. Can we, can we drop it another five degrees? Like none of you woke up this morning. You're like, man, I feel American. <laughs> Don't you feel American? Unless you have a mullet and like a flag on your car, maybe, but... <laughs> Like, no, no, that didn't happen. You didn't wake up that way. 
You're like, those of you that are still students, you didn't go to your parents, you're like, man, I just feel student today. Like, that doesn't happen. Why? Because the things that are most constant are the things we are the least aware of. Where did we get the idea that if we're truly following God, that if God is actually there, we will constantly feel his presence? Somebody told us that. Somebody said, this is how you know this. Here's what's interesting. Mother, Mother Teresa, one of the people that gave so much of her life, actually in her memoirs and the person that she confided in, she said there were months, even years, where she didn't feel like she felt God's presence. And so many of us, that happens, and we feel down about it. But here's the truth. We don't need to believe in the God, that God because that's not a real God. It's not an easy one to stop believing in. Now, I want to say this. This next God is the hardest one to stop believing in. This next one is the God that I've dealt with the most in my life. And this is the God that if you can run away, you try to. And that is guilt God. Guilt God. This is the God that haunts our entire adult life. This is the God that even when we leave the church, we feel bad that we're not there on Sunday. This is the God that caused some of your parents to continue to go to church even though they didn't believe anymore because they felt like that's what they're supposed to do for their kids. Like this is a God that's so, it, it, he controls you through guilt and fear. And you go, it, it's like, you ask, you're like, God, if it's enjoyable, he's like, no, it's not good for you. If it's sexual, no, you shouldn't be doing it. Like everything is bad. It's the God that loves you, but he doesn't like you. Some of you are like, I, I know exactly what you're saying. And what happens is many of us, we run from that guilt environment, but it stays with us. It stays with us. And there's so many people that continue to go to church because they feel that guilt and run away from it because of the same thing. I don't know where it happened, but it's one of those, it's one of those gods that many times was a manipulation from somebody else in your life. It was, it was a pastor or it was a priest or it was a parent. It's the one that always like, told you, they're like, hey, God's always watching you. Like some sort of demented Santa. Like, like God's peeping through your window. He knows what you're doing. Like that idea, it's the guilt God. And let me just say this. If you can get away from this God, first tell me how you did it because I'd love to know because it's hard. This is an everyday thing. But this is someone that doesn't exist. Now, this next one is one that frustrates me big time. It's the anti-science God. It's this idea that there's some sort of thing in the world that I either have to choose science or I have to choose God. I either have to choose undeniable science or unreliable religion. Because religion seems like it's always changing. There's something always different about it. But science always seems to be right. In fact, many of you, maybe you even grew up in a culture or you asked a question and the response was something like this. Quit, quit thinking and start believing. Quit thinking and start believing. You just have to believe. Here's the problem. Christianity is not based off totally just off belief. Yes, it starts with belief, but there's much more to the base of what it is. It's not just faith. Richard Dawkins says this in God, God Delusion. He says, one of the truly bad effects of religion is that it teaches us that it is a virtue to be satisfied with not understanding. It's that idea of God said it, we don't question it. The Bible says it, we don't question it. We don't get an actual answer to anything. Let me just say this. God or science is not a conclusion. It's both and, and here's, here's the deal. You can see Christians, you know, they're really hypocritical in this side when they get sick. Because when you're really sick, where do you go? Well, if you don't have insurance, you probably come to the church and you're like, please heal me. But if you do, where do you go? 
You go to the hospital, you go to the doctor, and you go to the doctor, and you're like, I am sick, I need something. They say, well, okay, we need to do some blood work, and I'll call you tomorrow with the results. And then we go home, and we sit by the phone. We pray a lot. We pray a ton. We tell everyone else to pray. And then the phone rings, and we pick up the phone, and the doctor says, here's the deal. You're like, what's wrong with me? And then he goes, the, the doctor says, I believe God is trying to teach you something. We don't want that answer, right? No. We want a natural explanation and a natural solution. I want you to tell what's wrong with me, and I want, to tell, want you to tell me what drugs cure it. Like, we want to know these things. When we're about illness, we're all about science. And here's the problem. Many times the church has sent students off with this idea that you have to stay away from science or you have to stay away from science courses because if you listen to them, then you'll realize that there is no God. See, I believe that's the opposite. I believe it's the opposite. See, I believe every discovery science makes isn't anti-God. It actually, it's a window into how he did it. It's not anti-God. It's a window into how he did it. So it's a window into what he did there. The anti-science God is a God we need to move away from because when we look at science, we can actually see what God is capable of. Here's the last one, and this is one that we're all, we've all done. It's the gap God. Not the old Navy God. Just kidding. That's awful. It's the, uh, it's the gap God. This is the God conveniently shows up as an explanation to anything we can't explain. This is the, you're driving through the mall parking lot, then all of a sudden a space opens up in the front, and you're like, that was God. <laughs> Maybe? Probably not? Here's the problem. I've seen this snowball, and people start to say, everything they don't understand, everything they can't explain is a reason for God. This undermines our faith in God. And here's why. The list of things that we can't explain is getting shorter. And the list of things that we can't explain is getting longer. And there's never going to be a point where we're okay with not knowing something. There's never going to be a point where we're like, man, there's an illness or disease. We can't figure it out. So we're just going to go, well, God did that. And that sounds crazy, but I've seen it happen. I've seen guys on TV. I remember them saying this when when the AIDS epidemic was at its peak and the main area that it was hitting was the homosexual population, there's people on TV that were saying, this is God's judgment on the homosexual population. Like, that is wrong on so many levels. And then those same people were the ones that when Katrina came through and hit New Orleans said, Katrina was God's hand getting rid of the evil in that area. Now, what was interesting was later on that, that year, another one hit where that guy's church was. But... but it gets dangerous. It's a dangerous place where we decide that anything we can't understand is an evidence of God because what's unexplainable today will probably be explainable tomorrow. It's not evidence for the existence of God. The unexplainable actually is not evidence for the existence of God. The unexplainable normally is evidence of our ignorance. Not that I'm calling everyone dumb. I'm just saying the unexplainable many times has nothing to do with whether or not it's God. It usually just has to do with our inability to explain it in that thing. And let me just, I'm going to free some of you right now, okay? Because some of you, this is what you grew up in. If everything were explained or explainable, it would not explain away God. 
Some of you, there's this belief, if they can explain it, then it would explain away God. We don't need to fear this. If we knew the way everything was made, it still wouldn't take away the need for God. It's kind of like this. You, you all have a cell phone. And if you were to study a cell phone, like you knew how the glass was made, you knew how the speaker was made, the Wi-Fi, all the computer chips, all this stuff, like you knew exactly how every part of this cell phone was made and produced and all the components. It would not take away the need for a creator. Just because we may know how everything was done doesn't mean there's not a need for someone to create it. The idea that there has to be mystery for there to be a God is not true. In fact, it's not the unexplainable that points to God. It's the explainable. It's the mundane, everyday things that happen. I mean, think about this for just a moment. We, we look at what they, what, what, what they say with the Big Bang Theory. It's this idea, singularity, Big Bang happened. All at that moment, time, space, matter, laws of physics, all that, laws of thermodynamics, all came into play all at once. You look at Genesis, we see God create something from nothing, right? It was this singularity that happened. Six days, he created the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, he did what? He rested. If God rested, what does that mean? It means he stopped creating. If you stop creating, what would you expect to see? A predictable, stable, and explainable universe. Christians actually started the science movement. This is what's crazy. Medical and science movements were started by Christians, and here why. here's why. They believed God stopped creating, so they believed that they would be able to understand how it was created. And people get so caught up in all these ways, and, and I'll be honest with you, there's people, people are surprised that I'm, I'm okay with this, but they're like, well, you have to believe in a six-day creation and seventh day God rested. I'm like, maybe. Or maybe that's just the way that we say it. And God actually, each one of those days was like a million years for us. And he created it through this. And maybe it was God that used evolution to push it forward. I don't believe that. But if you said, I believe in God and I'm okay with that, I'm good with it. In fact, most of my science teachers that when I was at the University of Florida, I would go talk to them and ask them about creationists. And almost all of them were creationists. They weren't all Christians. But almost all of them were creationists because they looked at the world and the way it was. They're like, somebody had to start this. And what we get to do is we learn more and more about science. We learn more and more about what God did and what he's capable of. See, we, we got to be very careful of sitting back and deciding that if these gods don't exist, then I can't follow them. Here's the gods. Go ahead and put the list up there real quick. The gods that never existed. Next slide. You got the bodyguard god, on-demand god, boyfriend god, guilt or guild god, apparently. Um, that's my fault. Uh, Anti-science God and the gap God. Here's the problem for many of you. Here's what I know, especially with that first one, the bodyguard God. You go, if that one's not true, then what's the point? There's many of you and many of your friends that go, well, if these things aren't true, then what's the point of Christianity? And that's the entire problem with Americanized Christianity is that we've gotten away from the true point of what it is. We've gotten away from what God is really all about because here's the deal none of these are evidence for or against God none of them are in fact all of these all they are is they're evidence of unmet expectations they're evidence of the fact that we believe God should have done something that he never said he was going to do and we told other people about it and when he didn't come through we said he didn't 
exist. See, here's the problem. Many of us, this is what we were told in our childhood, but as we grow up, our faith has to grow up too. Let me give you an example. Where do babies come from? Some of you are like, I'm not listening to anything anymore. You don't know that. I'm walking out the door. Here's what I said. Where do babies come from? If a five-year-old asks, you have a certain answer, right? If a 15-year-old asks, you have a different answer. If someone that's pre-med is learning about it, they have a different answer. All of those answers are what right, right? Because what we're doing is we're accommodating to a person's capacity. The problem is many of us, our five-year-old God never grew up. It's kind of like this. I had two kids in my youth group, and 17-year-old and 18-year-old girl. And I remember we talked about, you know, dating and sex and all that kind of stuff. And we asked the question, did your parents ever tell you about this? And they're like, no, we figured it out. But to this day, and they're 17 and 18 years old, they asked their mom and dad, how did we get here? And they said that we prayed really hard for a girl and God gave us you. Some of you have an idea of God that's still in that we prayed really hard for a girl and that's how we got there. Some of you have these ideas of God that are not actually true, that somebody gave to you at a point to help you get through a situation. But sooner or later, you realize that doesn't add up today. That doesn't add up today. And so we talked about these gods for a reason, not just to make you feel bad, but to help you understand these are not the gods that we follow. Our God is much more than that. Now, next week, do not miss next week. We are talking about... uh, the more than a Bible tells me so Jesus. We're going to be talking about what it looks like to understand what Christianity was. And this is what's, what's so big. There's 300 years of incredible growth of Christianity before they even had a Bible. And so next week, I want to give you, I want to give you the reasoning. I want to give you the history that allows you to understand all those questions you had without somebody just saying, well, the Bible says so, so you just have to realize it. That's what we're talking about next week. Let's pray. God, I thank you uh, for all that you've done for us. God, I thank you that uh, you are the God that you are. God, I pray tonight as um, we kind of struggle with some of this, God, I pray that you would come alongside us and and help us with it, Uh, give us some peace and some understanding. God, I pray that um, we would move away from these gods that never existed, these ideas that someone told us about God, but you never said yourself. God, I pray we'd start to see you for who you truly are. God, we love you and we thank you that you are a God that loves us and loved us first. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.